Let me begin by giving you a few reminders for this coming week. But in case you missed some of them, all of this information can be found on our events page at richfork.com events. But thank you for taking time for this sermon content, but also a few announcements. On November 27th, which will be a week away by the time you watch this, less than a week away, uh, we have an opportunity to serve our community, specifically the city of Thomasville. They have asked for our help. Uh, so beginning at 8.30 a.m. on November 27th, uh, we will be walking the parade route for the next day and cleaning up our city streets. We need uh, young, uh, we need those who can carry a backpack blower, who can pick up trash, uh, and simply to bless our community. We need at least 25 more people than what we already have signed up. But again, that sign up is on uh, our webpage, and we will also post that on social media for you as the week goes on. I want to thank you for something coming up on December 10th. We are having a community Christmas. One of the things that we needed uh, were a thousand mason jars and candles that quite honestly, we thought might be an impossible ask from you in a short amount of time. And so we announced that just a week ago and in eight days, uh, we have over a thousand mason jars and over 1,500 candles, battery operated candle uh, tea lights um, that we're going to be using for a craft that evening. So I want to say thank you, but may that be a reminder that on December 10th, we have a community Christmas. This is a night that we hope we will infuse hope into our community. Uh, we'll laugh together, sing together, celebrate and fellowship with each other uh, in and around our community. It'll take place from 6 to 9 p.m. And you don't have to register to attend, but we need you, those of, who, those of you who regularly attend Rich Fork, we need you to volunteer. We have tons of opportunities for you to do that. Again, you can find the signups for that, uh, a community Christmas volunteer signup. Uh, that'll be online. We'll email that out to you again, uh, but we'll open up and have that available for the next week. And once you sign up, we will have someone over each of those areas that you can choose reach out to you. So again, you might be handy with a hammer, a paintbrush, organizing items, praying with people, meeting new guests, all of those gifts and abilities we're going to need on December 10th. That link, one more time, that link and all the registrations uh, for all of these events and several other opportunities at Rich Fork at richfork.com slash events. Let me pray for us, and then we will continue in our study of James today. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have today uh, to share some things that are on our calendar, uh, but may we also share what's on our heart, and our heart is for our community, that we would shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus, and one enormous opportunity uh, to pour some hope into our community for an evening is coming up December 10th. And so God, we pray for that night. We pray for our time on our field behind us and, and all the volunteers and organization and things that have yet to take place. Um, God, that we will trust that it's your will, that we would have everything um, that you would desire for us to have that evening and nothing more and nothing less. So thank you for us trusting with you with that plan for that night and bringing the, the people that you desire to be here, that they would hear the hope of Jesus Christ. And God, be with us as we walk through James in this very important passage of Scripture. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you've been with us for the majority of the past nine weeks, we have been in the book of James. You may agree what I read this week from another pastor. He was preaching through James and he asked a church member, what are you most thankful for about the book of James? The reply from the church member came quickly. What I'm most thankful for is that James only has five chapters. The book of James, the word of God that we have walked through for these nine weeks and this being our 10th, if we allow it to, can turn our world upside down, but not to just cause chaos in our lives, but to grow us up, to equip us, to impact our community, our family, and our friendships with an active faith in Jesus Christ. James lived in a season of history where the message, the hope, the stories of Jesus, of His life and His death and His resurrection, those stories and those moments were circulating through letters from the early, early disciples and a handful of people who had even been eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. Yet now, those who were following Jesus had been scattered, dispersed, as James tells us at the beginning of his letter, around the region into different pockets or groups of believers. And this letter from James was designed and written from him to give reminders of their faith, instruction on their daily living, in order for the early believers to impact their communities with the message and the hope of Jesus. James is raising up a flag in every one of these groups of believers, and on the flag it says these words, faith with action. James was reminding them then, and he's reminding us now that we cannot. We cannot consider faith as a, a piece of our lives. Rather, every aspect of our lives, our relationships, our speech, our prejudices, our struggles must be evaluated through our faith. Everything through our faith. In my preparation for today's message, I feel as if it's if James had a prophetic target on, on 2020, 2021, I feel as if it's almost taboo to rewind to March of 2020 because we've all experienced pandemic fatigue, not only the fatigue from an illness, while that is certainly true, but we're tired of retelling the stories of what that season of life was like for many of us. But for a few minutes, show me a little bit of grace as I rewind to March of 2020. March 6th through 8th, 2020, we had D weekend for our students. It's a cornerstone weekend for our student ministry calendar. Coming in March of 22, by the way, as well. It had just ended on a Sunday morning. Time change had just occurred. Spring was just around the corner. That week, the calendar for me was full. I had a few things that were important to me. I had a haircut on Tuesday. I had a Wednesday night to prepare for, a sermon for to write for you for our next Sunday morning. Uh, I also knew that going into that week that I would be working with a family to plan a funeral for their loved one later that week. I had a wedding on the calendar for March 14th. So this was not the normal week for me, but it was also not abnormal. Monday, I woke up toothache. Tuesday morning, we had our normal staff meeting. We discussed for about 20 minutes 
the rumors and the media reports of COVID-19. It was all surreal, and honestly, I didn't even give that much thought. Wednesday afternoon, I had to go to the dentist for the toothache, and at that point, it was coming on strong. And the recommendation was for me to have a root canal. I don't say that to make you cringe. It's just the reality of the story. The dentist sent me to a specialist, an endodontist, and they immediately said in scheduling it, they said, we need to do this today, Wednesday, because by the end of the week, we might be shut down. And I thought, really? There in the endodontist chair in two hours, when I stepped out of that office with my swollen cheeks that are sore, but but pain-free of the pulsing toothache, my text messages began to roll with questions. What ifs? What do we do? How do we handle this? By Thursday morning, we're making decisions, even sending out emails that we would edit and send out a new one four hours later, almost every day. By Saturday afternoon, following a wonderful wedding, I was sitting in my office that evening, videoing what would be the first online sermon content that would be the first of 17 weeks before we would gather again for an outdoor service the first weekend of June. 20 weeks before we would gather inside for worship. Now, could you imagine if on March 8th, I would have ended the service by saying, hey guys, I just want to know, I'll see you in June. Uh, I have a hunch that our world is going to change this week and you are going to have to in the next couple of weeks Stand in line for toilet paper and groceries. You're going to have to cancel wedding plans. You're going to have to delay vacations. You're going to have to become professionals at Zoom meetings. You're going to have to worship online. Your school's going to go online, in person, online, in person. And oh, you're going to have to maneuver a pandemic and illnesses and sicknesses that we've never experienced. And in case that enough, not enough, you're going to also have to navigate racial tensions that are going to escalate in our country. A political election is going to loom over that season. It's hard for me to even put all that on paper. But if I would have stated all that on March 8th, you would have recommended for me to take a very, very, very long vacation. He's lost it. Why? Why would I walk us back through all this? Even for a moment, why? When when we cringe at the words unprecedented, an abundance of caution, phases, the, the new normal. Why do I walk you back to where even I get tense retelling the story? Because I cannot think of any other moment in history that has impacted every person viewing this message, which could reopen our eyes to the truth of which James is going to lead us into today. This is a growing up conversation with James. It's one that I want to approach with care, with compassion. Because it is about the uncertainty of life and how much we are not in control. It's a reminder from James that our calendars are not to be trusted, but our Creator is. James 4, 13 and 14 say this. Come, Now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Verse 13, if you really stopped and rewind to look at it, could be titled, A a Day in the Life of Every American. The vast majority of our lives are dictated through us, to us, through the guidance of our calendar. We set our own schedule. James says, today or tomorrow. We select our own path. We will go to such and such a town. We place our own limits. James says, we spend a year there. We arrange our own activities. We trade. We predict our own outcome and make a profit. That's how James outlines this calendar-driven world that we live in, and we all know it. Even as I recalled that fateful week of 2020, I literally went back and looked at my calendar for that week, and it made me cringe. Some of us calendar our phones. We put our calendar. Others do it in print. Others still have a desk calendar. Others just make a checklist for the next day. But in some ways, it's as if we feel the need to fill up all the days of our lives with important activities and events as if a full calendar proves our significance. Please hear me. There's nothing wrong with putting things on your calendar. I do it as well. But the larger question from James regarding our calendar is not only what about our schedule, but in what do we ultimately put our trust? At times, I feel like I'm more confident in my calendar than the Creator. If I state that in some different words, do you trust in the events, the plans, the people behind all those appointments more than a Creator, a holy God who loves you, who offered the ultimate sacrifice as a payment for your sins? When March of 2020 hit, we all had a shock in many ways, but one of those was empty calendar, canceled meetings, changed plans. All of those items that you and I thought we had control over, it left us all asking. Several of you even ask me, what do I do now? And then for me, it became, why do I do this? James asked, why are you doing this? Your life is not really in your hands. It's short. It's brief. In reality, it's without your plan. If you don't believe that, then you've been asleep since March of 2020. James is calling us to recognize the sobering reality that we are not in control like we think we are. We are not God. Life is short. And the ending of our lives, it's not in our hands either. I know this message cuts and gets deep quickly. But if we believe this reality as followers of Jesus, then it begins to rearrange some of our thoughts and our motives. If we believe that God is in control, if we believe that God numbers our days, then 
Should we not be learning to live them for his glory and his purpose? I'm entering the next few verses with you as a continual reminder to draw you back and ask you to be honest with God as we examine these verses. Again, I want to take this slow today. I don't want you to miss God's word speaking into the hard-hitting reality that life is short. You are not in control. And I, nor you, are God. Take a look at these scriptures in reference to the length and the number of our days. The reality is the length of life is unknown. Psalm 103, verse 15 and 16 say, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. It place, its place knows it no more. Job 7, verse 7, the beginning says, Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. When I take a candle and blow it out, the smoke vanishes, it's gone. God's word says our lives are very much the same. Again, I realize watching this may feel heavy because it is. But there's hope. But not only is the the length of our life unknown, but in the end, it's all up to God. God determines my time. Psalm 139 tells us that your eyes, God, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. Before we even spoke a word. In the Psalms, there are numerous reminders regarding the uncertainty of life and the numbering of our days. Listen to another passage. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Out of Psalm 90, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight, A thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Later on in that same chapter, That same psalm, verse 10 says, he continues with these next verses, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of you. 
The psalmist goes on, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The verses that I've just read from Psalm 90, if we take those into account with those verses in accordance with and alongside of James 4, 13 and 14, and so many others that speak to the brevity, the quickness, the shortness of life, it should make and produce a shift in our hearts, our minds, and our planning. It should cause us to wrestle with the most important decisions and questions. If life is short, what then? If life is short and God's Word tells us this, what then? If life is short and God speaks to to this reality, but He offers hope for us, what now? My prayer for you today is, if you've not already weighed these thoughts, is that today, while you're watching this, you would be honest enough to admit, to acknowledge with Scripture, and even with the reality that life is short and that we are not in control, which should lead us to make some decisions that will change our eternity. So what does James say about tomorrow? He says, surrender your tomorrow. In verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So how do we do this? How do we surrender our future knowing that our days are numbered? How do we do this knowing that our lives can end any day? One way I know for sure about how to surrender my tomorrow is to surrender my eternity. In the Bible, there's another letter written by another author given these words by God. His name is the Apostle Paul. Talk about a guy with a story. Educated, brilliant, theologian, devout, prominent leader, and strict religious leadership of the Jewish ruling council. He is blinded by God on his way to persecute those who are following the teachings of Jesus. Jesus appears to him. He then surrenders to Jesus Christ. Not just his tomorrow, but his eternity. He recognized that his blatant sinfulness and his and surrenders to Jesus Christ. And when he surrendered, he didn't do it just on a Sunday morning or in front of a Bible study group. No, he surrendered his every day. And he lived and he died teaching, preaching, proclaiming the need for every person to recognize their sin, to admit that their days are numbered, to trust not in their plans or their schedules, but in the Creator. At one point, he stated this powerful truth, Romans 6, verse 22 and 23, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once I submit and surrender, give up, becomes, as James says, a slave, a voluntary servant of God, the benefit leads to holiness, becoming clean, gaining eternity with God in heaven. It's a 
It's a decision that leads to life and away from death. If you have not surrendered your eternity to God, would you consider doing that today? Some of you have been avoiding that decision for a long time. I would ask you to weigh James' words and even our last year and a half and not wait any longer to surrender. Your life is a mist, a vapor. And I may not know each of you watching or ever have a one-on-one conversation with you. But our passage today that has stood the test of time leads us to a serious growing up, owning up conversation. Life is short. You are not in control. Your calendar can be wiped clean in an instant. You must surrender. When I finish my sermon and pray, I will give you instructions for those who've never said, God, I surrender my life, my past, my present, my future to you. I need to show you to show me how to step forward and make this decision. So how does James then bring this together? By surrendering our plans and our thoughts of tomorrow, by challenging us to surrender and act today, but also to trust in Him for what does lie ahead. James continues by giving us this thought in the next few verses. Instead, you ought to say, verse 15, Instead, you ought to stay, say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Now, some of us Southerners have a phrase we've tossed around, at least in my circle, when it comes to agreeing or putting a plan on our calendar Some will say, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Now this phrase, maybe you didn't know it, was made popular by Johnny Cash's rendition of the song, If the Good Lord is Willing. But James, he's not giving us a quick little cliche phrase to toss into our conversations or planning. It's far more serious than that. In fact, Paul, in his writings in the New Testament, often would say in his letters, As he's writing to another group of people, if God wills, I will come to you. Paul stated it in his writings like this. I plan to come to you, to your town tomorrow, if God wills. I will come if the Lord wills. This is a continual reminder from Paul and James that God's leadership and his purpose is what guides our lives. This is not a an out. This is not an escape statement from either author, James or Paul, to say, well, if the Lord wills, it'll happen. Therefore, I don't have to do anything. That's not what James is saying. James is saying quite the opposite. Every accomplishment, every activity, literally every breath we take is acknowledging, I am alive and I'm working today only by the grace of God, if the Lord wills it. James has already led us to examine surrendering our tomorrow. We examine from Paul surrendering our eternity, but the phrase, if the Lord wills, in conjunction with all of this, and especially verse 17, is a call to surrender 
your today, your tomorrow, your eternity, your today. Verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. I can't count how many times I've said, well, I was going to get to that today. I was aiming to do that today. James is kind of calling us on that phrase. And he's saying, that's not impressive. You know you know the right thing to do. And you know what God is leading to you to do, but you don't do it. Step up to the plate. Do what I'm leading you to do. On the day that I've given you to do it, not thinking about tomorrow. Scripture goes on to tell us again from Proverbs. Goes on to tell us, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in you, your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. Then I'll give it to you when you have it with you. It's comparable to saying, I'll go on a mission trip or I'll help with this activity in our community, but I'll go next year. Or I'll work with the students or the children in, in Awana or preschool, but, but I'll, when I get around to it, not right now, better still. I, I know I have the skills and the gifts and abilities that I could help in this area, but I'm going to let someone else take a turn. I just want to tell you what James calls that. He says in verse 17, it's a sin. Not doing what God is calling us to do. Maybe I'll make a decision today or stop this behavior in my life, but I don't make it. Or I'm being led by God to stop, to change, but our thoughts are often, I'll do that tomorrow. James says, tomorrow then becomes the next day, becomes the next day, and tomorrow may never come. James is saying, if you're called to do it, do it. Take the step today. If you need to seek forgiveness from that broken relationship, do it today. If you need to commit to time with the Lord, go home and or where you are today and turn off the TV or your streaming service and do it today. Don't turn, if the Lord wills, to an escape from commitment. Make it a statement of action. God, you've given me this dream. You've given me this hope. You've given me this ability. You've given me this moment. Give me the power to take action today, not tomorrow. But Lord, only if you desire for it to happen. It is so apparent to me that if we go back to last week, God, I want to draw near to you. I want to give up my plans, my will, my life. Then God responds with the words that continue from James. All right. If you've surrendered to my wisdom, to my plans, then surrender your plans. Surrender your tomorrow. Surrender your eternity. Surrender your today. This is very serious. It's extremely important. It's an extremely important passage for each of us because it's a call to commitment. First, it's a commitment to trust God for our eternity. Have you trusted and surrendered to Him? And again, if you think you are in control, 
that you may have a plan. May the past 20 months open your eyes and lead you to the knowledge there is a God and you're not it. And may you listen to me and to God's word to say God loves you and offers hope, a gift for the payment of your sins for eternity. And he desires to lead you every day. Have you surrendered to him? Have you confessed your sin to a God who offered Jesus Christ as a gift and a payment for your sin? Why not today? Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. No, why not today? Well, I'll think about it. Why not today? Your life is but a mist. The second thing this passage is, is well, it's not a call to never put anything on your calendar. But as you write it down, as you think about it, God, I'll go to this meeting if it's your will. It's a constant acknowledgement of God's leadership in our life. The last thing this passage is, it's a call to action. A call from James to say, you know what God has burdened you with. Do it. Do it today. You know a direction you need to pursue in your life. Do it. Do it today. You know the family that you need to care for this Christmas. You know the people that you need to invite to a, a community night on December 10th. Whatever it is, do it today. This is a call from James about surrendering our tomorrow, surrendering our eternity, and yes, handing over our today to the God of the universe. May you step into the action that you need to take today. Out of this call to action, this call to surrender. From James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Would you pray with me today? God, I come especially with those who may not have previously acknowledged that they're not in control. I ask that even this last 20 months is a very real reminder that they're not in control. Not so that in any way they could ever look at me and say, oh, I guess you're, you just want me to say you were right. No. I want you to be able to say, well, God's word is true. Our days, our tomorrow are but a vapor. God, I ask the person that's watching this at home, watching this as they travel on business, watching this as they sit in a place of confinement, of change, of, of direction, that they would realize that tomorrow is not promised. They would acknowledge and they would call out to you, God, save me. God, I put my trust in you. God, I surrender my day to you, my tomorrow to you, my eternity to you. I come to you today. Will you forgive me? I desire the gift of forgiveness and salvation today. Change me. Lead me. Forgive me. I surrender to your plan, your tomorrow, your eternity. And yes, your today. In Jesus' name.
you may have during that prayer, you may have needed to press pause or you may need to go back and rewind. But one thing I hope that you do is that you would reach out to us. Let us know that the creator of the universe has reminded you through our brother James that you can't trust for your tomorrow. You don't know the number of your days. And that realization has led you to surrender to Jesus today. If you go to our website, there's a section there for guests and there's a form there. It's just a quick digital form that you could fill out. And there's a box there that you can just type whatever you want. If you could give us your name and that you've surrendered to him today, however you would want to say it, that'll come to me and one of other, other, other staff members. And we would love to connect with you, to talk with you, to help you as you continue to surrender your todays, your tomorrow. Most importantly, your eternity. I hope that you understand as I share this heavy message with you today. I share it with you out of love, out of concern that you would submit, you would surrender your life to Christ. Thank you so much for honoring us yet again with your time and your attention.